You guys ready? Yeah, let's do it. All right. Welcome to the first episode of Clinically Pressed. Uh, this is going to be our first roundtable discussion. Uh, we're going to intermix these in within all the interviews that we're going to be doing without uh, our time doing this podcast. I'm Joel. This is AJ. This is Kyle. So we're just going to jump right into talking about some of the misconceptions, the beliefs, uh, and things that just seem to be lost in the world of health, wellness, all the information, all the quick fixes, and all the fads that are out there. Uh, so I am well just to get started off. AJ, what's your first big one? You're the nutrition guy, and nutrition is obviously very tough. Yeah, uh, not only nutrition related, I'd say one of the biggest misconceptions I see in the fitness industry is the misuse of certain training programs for a certain goal. To give an example, a lot of people think if you're going to lose weight, the best way to do it is go down to any fitness center, hop on an elliptical, 30 to 45 minutes, and just plug away, get your workout in, and go home, where I think you'd be much more better off if you did 30 to 40 minutes of some kind of strength training program, higher intensity workout, um, and I, I think that'll help you achieve your goal. And kind of along those same lines is people get too wrapped up in this idea of I need to lose weight, I need to lose weight, I need to lose weight. Whereas if you shift your mindset a little bit and focus more so on just improving body composition, I think that's going to be more beneficial in the long term. Um, helps improve metabolic rate, helps you keep that weight off moving forward in the future. So again, it's not just losing weight. And if you kind of get away from just hopping on treadmills, ellipticals for 45 minutes, and again, ramp up the intensity or shift the style of training completely, I think it'll really pay off a lot um, more than, again, just the standard slow state steady aerobic exercise that people kind of have focused on so much in the past. I can't remember what, what how we wrote the article, or I'm pretty sure you wrote it. I can't, yeah, no, I can't remember who wrote it. But it was basically like, the scale doesn't lie, but it does. And so I know when we did that SNAP study, um, it was really interesting that you know people were like, oh, I only lost like three pounds total. Right. But when we compared actual body count through the body pod, like, they lost like six, seven pounds of fat, but they had actually gained some muscle on a really simple, easy, easy weightlifting program. And then they were like astonished by it. Right. So even trying to weigh yourself every morning, you may not be getting the success that you want by the numbers, but it's actually a better composition. And when you look at people's subjective goals, a lot of times they say, yeah, losing weight's part of it, but I want to look more toned or mm -hmm. I want to have more defined muscles. And again, that's there's a whole other misconception. <laughs> yeah, but that's really what you're, you're going after is improving body composition and you need to lose body fat and increase muscle mass in order to get those muscles to be more visible or look more toned uh, and ripped and so forth. So losing weight's not gonna get you to that toned look that you're looking for anyway. Right. So again, doing this kind of training is a multifaceted approach to getting all these kind of different goals. Do you feel like people buy into that typically? Like they're, they'll jump on board and they'll, they'll be okay with that, you know, and the scale's not going down necessarily? You know, some do, some don't. Like this study that we ran last summer, we had people literally quit the protocol that they were doing because they were discouraged that they weren't losing weight. But then again, when we tested their body composition, when they came back, they're like, you had an incredible body recomposition going on. Yeah, you're losing fat mass, increasing fat-free mass. That's, that's everybody's goal. Yeah, yeah, exactly. That's having your cake and eating it too. Not that eating cake can get you there, but <laughs> true, true. But again, that's 
overall weight loss. I know some would lose like three pounds overall. Right. Huge transformations of fat, fat, fat mass and fat free mass again, which is really what you're looking for if you're trying to get more toned and things like that. Um, one thing I like saying is if you just focus on weight loss and you just do the kind of standard slow state cardio type of training, you'll get into the situation where you're skinny fat. You may be of normal healthy weight, but when you test your body composition, you're going to be 30, even 40%. Even though you look lean, you hardly have any muscle mass, you have a higher body fat percentage, and again, that's not ideal either. So again, that's where I see people getting wrapped up in this non-efficient style of training because they think it's the best way to go. And I, I've told you this too, I feel bad for these people because you walk into a fitness center and they're overweight people trying to run on a treadmill and it sounds painful and it looks painful. They're not enjoying it. Probably is painful. <laughs> yeah. And they're just kind of, they don't have great form. They're slamming on the treadmill and you're just like, oh, you know, you could do something that would be less painful, right. way more efficient. You know, if you just went down in the weight room and, and did some of the strength training activities instead of that. Do you see this a lot? Because obviously you work with a different population than I do because I'm mainly athletes and weight loss isn't a huge part of what we deal with, but you see a completely different side of it. Yeah, I try to. I mean, it's, I do see that. I have patients come in and they, you know, they want to try to lose weight or get on the, the exercise bandwagon and they think the, the answer is to go out and buy a treadmill or, you know, get the elliptical and they're just going to pound that out. And for one, I don't think that sounds enjoyable. You know, I mean, I hate it. Yeah. I didn't know better. Yeah. <laughs> that was my favorite part of the workout. Yeah. So I, I do, I think it's, it's tough and I try to, you know, I'm just trying to get the mindset shifted just to maybe transition a little bit, you know, maybe do some body weight stuff or, add some incorporate some things where there's a lot you can do at home mm -hmm. you know maybe if you love the treadmill that's great but you know try to mix it up a little bit too and that's a good point is sometimes in the industry people take this train of thought that strength training is better and they go to the completely other end of the spectrum and they almost damn you if you do any kind of aerobic training where aerobic training still has great benefits you know it improves cardiovascular health increases aerobic capacity if you're training for a marathon and things like that that style of training is definitely going to be beneficial just not as beneficial as a weight loss tool as strength training can be so i don't think you want to completely limit right. either from your training you just know what it is that you want to accomplish sure. and go about that and i thought it's completely related but listening to some of the crossfit guys like they're realizing that now like it's not all the anaerobic go 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 like they've started it incorporating more of the aerobic training because it's evolved so much that that's the advantage they need in order to be able to beat the best guys. You can't completely ignore that side mm -hmm. of the spectrum. There's some people too that need that <clears throat> fix, like their cardio, oh, yeah. like they have to get their yeah, run yeah. in and it's like, that's right. great, you know, I'm not gonna discourage that, but you know, try At to least for movement. Strength yeah. training, and yeah. When I was over in India, sitting with a Strong First guy, it's a kettlebell <laughs> certification, South African, played rugby, gigantic man. We're sitting over there, that's a fitness kind of thing. First one in India, and there's this like bakwa dance thing, paloxing, uh, some other martial art like cardio thing. And so it's all basically loud music, jumping around, yelling, do this, that, and the other thing. And it was killing your eardrums. And we both kind of looked at each other, and he goes, Well, at least they're moving. <laughs> so sometimes that's as good as it can take. So I mean, we'll take what you can get, but I think your point is huge with that. And that was one. I don't know if it's a misconception, but it's one I always kind of argue with why I don't do cardio and I just lift. Like, muscles are your most metabolically active tissue. So, right. in theory, 
the more you have, the more it should burn throughout the day. Yeah. So that's my argument on why I can just lift and still eat pizza on the weekends. And it's, yeah, I mean, right. so. Yeah, when we work. If you could affirm that, that'd be awesome. Because then I feel a lot better about my life. There is a direct relationship between the amount of fat free mass you have and your resting metabolic rate. So, the more lean mass you have, more calories you're just going to naturally burn throughout the day. And if you look at it, it, uh, it allows you to eat more. I mean, yeah, that's it. If you're looking at maintaining moderation. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but with our football guys, when we ran our study this last fall, I mean, they were having to eat. Five, six, seven thousand calories right. to maintain their body size throughout two days because they're larger athletes. They have more fat-free mass, and granted, they're practicing and training three to four hours a day. Sure. So they need to eat that much to maintain size, or they'll become, you know, weaker. Which unfortunately, we did see to some degree. Those guys are losing lean mass throughout training camp. Definitely. I think going back to to the the body composition where you talked about the skinny fat. Uh, just composition-wise, how it's not as ideal. You have those people that are going to do, you know, running, training for a half marathon or, or whatever they're doing activity-wise. They're going to be much more prone for injury, too, because they don't have the, you know, the stability there. And right. it's it's double-edged sword. And along those lines, you were talking about having more lean mass kind of allows you to eat more. If you're in the skinny fat situation, as soon as you stop doing that training, and you don't readjust your calorie intake, you're gonna just start gaining weight back almost instantly. Because you've dropped your lean mass, you've dropped your drive for maintaining metabolic activity, so now you've become reliant on that form of exercise. Where if you do strength training, you build up a certain amount of lean mass, you can take a week off, you can take two weeks off, you're still gonna be burning a lot of calories because you have more lean mass. You can't do that forever, you right. start losing some muscle, but. Again, another benefit of doing this, you're not completely reliant on that form of exercise to burn calories. I think kind of the neck, stemming off of that, I think it kind of goes into your second misconception, but also part of mine is talking about like calories and calorie counting. And that was one that, you know, you go and you hop on the elliptical and it says you burned 500 calories and you feel great about it. And then you go to Starbucks and you get your insert really long coffee drink here and you just put back in 750 now are you at a loss for the day and i think that's one i kind of had you know as one of my misconceptions but like people trying to understand it's not as simple as calories in calories out it's a good place to start and that's why i like how you teach it but we even had the conversation and i know i've had this with multiple people is like how you or your body reacts to it is going to make a huge difference with it you know, if you eat a thousand calories of white bread versus a thousand calories of vegetables and a good source of protein. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and that's one of the biggest important things to take away from. Again, calorie balance is a major part of weight management and stuff like that. But we also have to look at the types of calories as our body responds differently to different types of calories. Mm -hmm. We have this nutrition partitioning effect. So we digest them at different rates. We absorb them at different rates. We utilize them at different rates. They elicit different kinds of hormonal responses when we eat them and things like that. So that, that's an example I always give is a thousand calories of sugar is much different than a thousand calories of lean protein right. and fruit specials, things like that. So that has to be taken into consideration when looking at, you know, the types of calories that you're consuming. And, and you don't have to starve on a diet. Yeah, exactly. And getting back to the fat argument is when we had this fat scare and saturated fat and everything was so bad and 
you know, the eighties. And then we started going low fat, everything replace it with more refined carbs. Yep. Um, you know, low fat yogurts. Yeah. They have it goes corn syrup. It's the enemy. They have a ton of sugar in them, which is, again, is way worse than having a moderate fat intake in your yogurt. And that's why we are trending in a direction where we now have an obesity epidemic. We have much more incidence of type two diabetes, pre-diabetes, things like that. And a lot of it is stemming from that eliminating fat, replacing it with sugar. Now we got a whole nother problem on our hands. I know we both reference this a lot and we both get angry when we watch it, but uh, fed up the documentary where they show that at the beginning of like how cereal is healthy because it's low fat, but then it's packed full of all this other stuff and how that's misconception and you know parents are feeding this to their kids because it is it says that and that's mm -hmm. what they think and yet their kid still is gaining weight or it's not getting better well worth checking out if you guys got the time i yeah know it was on prime i don't know if it's on netflix but uh it's it's well <laughs> well worth the watch mm -hmm. i so, think the micronutrients are important too where you don't you're just looking yeah, up macros and just straight up calories i mean i mean micronutrients you need those for your processes and enzymes and absolutely mm -hmm. so kind of switching off the nutrition thing we'll work as you know kyle hasn't talked much yet what's one of the big things that you see especially working in your world that is a huge misconception so i think core stability is the biggest far and away i think it all i mean core is overplayed everything core this core that yep. you want a strong core but yep. what is yep. a strong core i think a lot of people's belief in that is i need to do sit-ups you know and just strengthen my six pack and i think that's starting to become better where people are starting to realize maybe it's just not that as much but um just so the core is not just you know your six pack you've got the transversus on the sides it's encompassing the the full 360 yeah. on your core and it's the pelvic floor it's the diaphragm as well and it it, it makes plays a role in performance and injury and uh, a lot of the athletes at EWL, you know, that we're seeing, mm -hmm. it's the same thing over and over. You know, we just have the same discussion, just trying to work on the same things, but people just fall into the same patterns of right. just, you know, they get into, you know, tightness in the hip flexors and the erectors, they are just not activating the diaphragm. And, uh, you know, so we just go back to just kind of working on more of a posterior pelvic tilt, activation of the diaphragm, and able to to activate some of the, the transversus and some of these other muscles. So what's the best way to train that? Instead of just doing 1,000 sit-ups a day. Hanging leg raises, hip flexors. Yeah. <laughs> um, like with those areas of weaknesses that you talked about, what's some of the better corrective exercises that you could do to address some of those areas? So I think uh, before getting even into the exercises, just laying the foundation of being able to activate the diaphragm. So. Uh, when you breathe in, your belly should go up, so you're actually using your diaphragm to breathe. Uh, if you watch a baby lay on their back, you know, it's just their belly going in and up. Mm -hmm. If you watch a, a typical adult lay on their back, you know, their belly's pretty quiet and it's no, all just, up here. Yeah. I mean, just because we do so much up here with typing and driving and people carry their stress and tension up there, so they, they carry a lot up here. That leads into yeah, shoulder and neck problems. Um, but yeah, so just starting off, just being able to activate the diaphragm is huge because everything plays off of that. Everything that you should do, you know, your stability is going to come from here. So working on that diaphragm activation, it's boring and it sounds like a lame thing to do. I'm going to work on it. Yeah, exactly. Especially like, these big football players and stuff. I mean, they, they're like breathing really, but, uh, 
I mean, it's important and it, it plays a role. And I think they start to see it as they progress and they start to get some results, but uh, laying that foundation and then just being able to, to breathe correctly through any movement and activity. So if we start that work on just the, the breathing and the activation, and then you can start to incorporate movements and make it more complex from there. Uh, side planks and stuff are going to work the transversus, uh, dead bugs, bird dogs are all good things. But while doing that, you have to maintain proper pelvic positioning and uh, core activation, diaphragm activation. So that was kind of leading into one of the questions I had for you. So if you were to take three ab or core exercises and say, mm -hmm. don't do these, they're actually more bad than good and replace them with three ones that are way better. Yep. Um, so yeah, I would not recommend sit-ups just because, I mean, it's gonna just overactivation here of the, the rectus. I mean, everybody loves a six pack, you know, for the, the pictures and the beach and everything, but uh, favorite thing is you want a six pack? Try five sets to stop eating so much crap. There <laughs> you go. That's my, sure. uh, yeah, another area of the start. Dietary, yeah, for Thanks sure. Thanks, Team Nation. <laughs> so, um, I mean, you could replace that with the, the dead bug, so laying on your back and just arm and leg opposite down. That's going to kind of work the cross patterns too, which is great because our, our bodies kind of work in that direction. Yeah. Uh, front planks are good, they're better than sit ups, but still, if they don't have um, the proper activation and stuff, and they have back problems, maybe not the first thing I would recommend. And people always forget to use their glutes on that too. Yeah, trying to get it all the core, you gotta get everything. And that's gonna keep the pelvis in the right position. I hope you go another 30 seconds. Oh, yeah. Plank, if you can cage the glutes. Yeah, it's tough. Yeah, so yeah, I would say that No, planks, side ones may be better if you can do them. Yeah, absolutely. Side planks are great. You know, and if you can't do a full out side plank off your feet, just going off the knees, starting off. I mean, it, you can just progress up. If something's too easy, usually you can make it harder. So, yeah. you know, you just work. I was going to get into this later, but form's everything. So I'd rather someone yeah, do something it. with perfect form right. and only do maybe two to five seconds, as long as it's perfect form, rather than doing 10 to 20 seconds where it's just atrocious. I mean, you're just training improper patterns. So you got to build that, you know, build the right foundation and the proper patterns and you, you'll progress from there, but then you're going to be less prone for injury down the road. So speaking of injury, how about app crunch machine, app, you know, curls that you go into a gym and everyone's going front, back, extension, app. Hold on, let's go for that quick disclaimer. We understand the core encompasses more than right here. We already know we'll hear some feedback from that. But before we get into that, word from our sponsor. Wow. Didn't you take care of that? Yeah. We'll get sponsors and then we'll plug them in here. But oh, for the time no sponsors. No, it's not. Oh, yeah. anyway, wow, quick commercial break. If you're interested in it, let us know. Let's check it out. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, there you go. Yeah. Anywho, back to that because that ties into one of my things uh, about technology and all the machines and whatnot. But yeah, if you want to take, I'm utilizing. I, I, it's the same thing as a setup, in my opinion. I mean, it's still working the the rectus and which is over dominant, anyways, typically. So. And that's all just sagittal plane stuff. So, I, I mean, there's things that you can replace it with. Um, whole other topic is just sagittal plane. I mean, <laughs> this could be a whole other podcast, but uh, there's so much movement. We're always looking for right yeah, now. Um, yeah, exactly. So, the sagittal plane, I mean, every all these exercises that we're doing in the gym are all sagittal. Nobody typically works like transverse or you know, the lateral you know, um, frontal plane. So, 
I think that we're it, probably doing enough of them already. Yeah, I mean, there's there's so much in there, so I think it's good to incorporate other, you know. So rather than just a, a straight squat or straight lunge, maybe a side lunge as well. So back to the the straight sit-ups. I mean, I think it's better to kind of work those cross chains, some of the the less activated muscles like transversus. So if we're, if we're trying to mix up the direction a little bit, how about the ones where you put your arms behind the pads and then you're doing these oblique rotator? Uh, those are some, so I like like a landmine. I think are awesome. You know, like where you have you're really working like anti-rotational, but you're not torquing the the lumbar spine, getting to like the discs and everything. So if you don't have a ton of flexion with the the twisting, mm -hmm. that's another thing I don't like about the sit-ups is you're you're just crushing that disc. I mean, it's putting it into flexion. It, people do enough sitting and everything, put enough pressure on them. So well. I've always kind of heard some people say. Developing tension and almost resisting flexion and extension can almost be just as beneficial as moving through. Oh, yeah. Right? Yep. Like, so a landmine exercise, you said, you're not really moving a lot, but you're resisting movement quite a bit. Exactly. I mean, there's a ton of activation there to kind of maintain that. And that's what you want is to be able to maintain a, a neutral position, you know, so that's going to help you as you're going to, to lift whatever furniture helping your body move or real life application, I right. guess. So yeah, all that ties into uh, your office. Yeah, yeah. Kill each other. Elvira, camera guy Justin had his good abdominal raising as he had to get underneath. Yeah, that's your back. Side story. So there's a desk in in the office here, and uh, I built these things to to raise it up so we could have. This is uh, a perfect segue into one of my things. So yeah. keep going. So I could have a standing desk rather than sitting all the time. So I would kneel all the time at this desk, and knees get sore on a hard floor. And, It'd just be nice to have a standing desk. So I built these things to lift it up, but then I got them in here. I was like, well, how am I going to get this desk on these uh, things that I built? So we we're shooting video the other night, and I'm like, well, I got these big, strong guys here. We'll, you know, I'll work together. And still couldn't get it up. So Justin, the camera guy, gets underneath the desk and does a scroll squat to lift it up while these two are on either side. And, Got him slid under and it, it works great now. Yeah, so, still so thanks guys. Still Justin, Justin yeah, he didn't have an injury, so. Uh, <laughs> there you go. So one of my ones that I had was the thing about technology solving everything. Like everything that comes out these days is this fixes that, this fixes this, like shoes. Like, I don't, you know, I don't, I'm not going completely hipster, like gotta go back all natural. Like I do agree with like, I do. Well, I think they were good. They just had a poor marketing campaign, and then people took it and ran with it and literally crushed themselves. <laughs> literally ran. Yeah, and, you know, there was no progression to it. But you know, my favorite one, and somebody brought this, and I was like, huh, oh, that makes sense. Like, how often are you supposed to replace your shoes? Well, every four to five hundred miles. Well, who came up with that recommendation? If you don't have an arch, you can retrain yourself to have an arch. And almost every single case, some are too far gone, but most people you can retrain that back and you don't need to go buy a pronation shoe or this, that, or the other thing. You just, you don't have to, and you can still do it. And it's, you know, the same thing with that, you know, teach, treating things as skills. I've heard many of a running coach say, well, running's not really a skill. Well, how, like, why is it not? Like, that's what you do. Like. Why wouldn't you want to treat it as a skill and be more efficient at it? I changed exact the complete way how I ran. All of a sudden, I didn't hurt as much when I ran uh, because I wasn't driving my heel into the ground and having every joint in my body have to take that blow. I was using muscles to do it by landing more on my mid and forefoot. And so that was one of my ones. You know, you talk about ergonomic chairs. You're still sitting. 
So you're still crunched over at your hips. You know, that was one point I was going to bring up with the ab exercises. Most of the time, it's more of a hip flexor exercise. Your abs just get incorporated into it. So we're feeding this terrible process of always being short through the front from sitting all the time. You know, and things like that. And then even to workout equipment, uh, people talk about how it's really interesting that it used to be all like free weights. And then the machines came in and that's what everybody did. And now, you know, Probably with the spark of CrossFit, um, which is a whole other topic in and of itself. Some of the good things they brought back is people are up moving again. It's not just going and sitting on a machine. It's getting up and doing body weight things. It's running. It's you know getting out there and moving and not just going in and sitting and working through whatever range of motion the machine is going to allow you to work through. So I don't know if there's some things like technology you've seen that have kind of been... Destroying, you know, any ab machine, like, ever. Maybe not. <laughs> Maybe not worth yeah. the money, but... I don't know. The ab belt. Yeah, I, yeah, there's... there's <laughs> the one that I makes mean, you twitch? Yeah. That one? Is that what we're talking about? <laughs> there's a couple. Yeah. yeah. Zap yourself. There you go. Can we did play with those in uh, school. We had, like, the, the Russian stem and everything, and, you know, you put it on and oh, yeah, yeah. it up as much, but... Yeah, I, I don't think there's much research. Uh, and I think we've done a study of UWL. I'm, oh, I'm sure. Yeah, I bet he did. Yeah, he would be a really interesting uh, mark that, write that down, because that would be just really dispelling some myths and things. But, you know, so that was my way one. Like, we both switched to standing desk, and as you just heard from the story, Kyle has officially transferred over to the standing desk. and. You know, just to kind of side note that, like, I try and stand as much as I can during the day. That doesn't mean I don't sit ever. Like, I enjoy sitting down just as much as anybody else. But it's all the moderation thing again. Like, you can't sit down for 15 hours a day and then wonder why you got hip or low back pain. Like, it's, it's, it can be that much simpler than having to go and get x-rays and MRIs done. And, you know, just generally getting up and getting yourself moving can be a huge thing to just dispel that and make it go away. And along those same lines, and tying it back, what you said earlier with the, the vibrams and the barefoot running, mm-hmm. people were like, oh, this is good, let's go all in and do it, yeah. and then you're hurt six weeks later. Same kind of thing with standing desk. If you're gonna do it, ease your way into it, because it took me a while. That's true. My knees were hurting, my low back hurt, so again, you don't have to go all in with it, you can still go half days even until you're at the point where you can manage to still work and stand. Yeah, and one of those Vera Dennis bonds I just shared with you, oh, they nice. just put out a cheaper right. version. They were like three, four hundred bucks, and now I think that one was one seventy five. So yeah. you don't even have to buy a new desk; you just set it on top. Um, well, how much did yours cost? I don't mind the scraps I had in the garage. Same here. Yep, yeah. same here. I did the same thing as Kyle, but mine was a lot lighter, so it only took two people, <laughs> and it wasn't an L desk; it was just one set thing. But I mean, I built one at home just by buying stuff at Walmart, and it cost me a hundred bucks. Yeah, you I basically took a desk and then put two end tables underneath it worked out really well. Uh, so yeah, those are all options there. I know with the standing too, like you said, easing into it, I think a lot of times when people stand too long, they kind of fall into a, an anterior pelvic tilt yep. position <clears throat> and it's Keep easy to do. Gauge. So yeah, squeeze the glutes, just kind of tipping the pelvis back. I know that's huge for um, long time standing, why it can be you know problematic with low back pain and stuff, so. For sure. Any other misconceptions that you guys wanted to address while we're sitting here talking about it? I think we kind of hit on some of the main ones yeah, I think for this I think time. So. Kind of awesome so, kind of going on to 
the end of what each episode will look like is we've got a few questions that we want to ask every guest that we have on here, and so we're going to go ahead and answer those today. The first one being, take what are your top three take-home tips or the Twitter version, and or like what would be the one thing that you would like ask of anybody watching the podcast? AJ? Uh, if I were to pick three, my first one would be that everyone can benefit from strength training, really regardless of goal. If you're trying to obviously get stronger, increase muscle mass, that's the best way to start. Yeah. But we already talked about how it can improve body composition. Um, and Kyle even mentioned helping reduce pain a little bit. If you're just stronger throughout your movements throughout the day, it's going to reduce your risk of injuring yourself or something like that. Uh, the second would be... If you're going to overeat on anything, let it be protein. Uh, it, we'll get into it more, I'm sure, in a later podcast of why it is so beneficial. But it, again, if you're going to overfeed, do it at a steak buffet and not a, a pasta feed or something like that. There you go. Because of some of the nutrient partitioning effects we talked about. Sorry, guys. I'd much rather eat steak better, or pasta. Yeah, I'm not sure. You're better fish, you know, that's good yeah, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Fish fries? You're still good. Fries, so yeah. Fries, that's something else. <laughs> I, that was, saw a commercial for a healthy fryer. Oh, yeah. No, yeah, something interesting. Anyway. Third one? I kind of said two, I guess, on one, so I'll just leave it there. Yeah. Kyle, what, what did I have here? So, so, oh. So the first one would just be breathing with your diaphragm. Yeah. So it's yeah. like you try and sit in a room with yeah. to do it. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it's easy to forget, and I do, I'm by no means perfect at all. Right. It's something that I have to work on. But I think whether it's at rest or while doing any movement, that ideally that you should breathe with your diaphragm, that's going to help. Core stability, that helps. It, it works out to the extremities and everything. So just uh, with pain or performance, I think that's huge. So, For sure. Uh, uh, lacking mobility, so if you're lacking mobility in any area, I think that uh, just spending some time there and you know stretching and mobilizing, getting a, I almost said man, I won't go there because you're gonna I know mention it here with the yeah. the recommendation under 100 <laughs> yeah. hours, but uh, great device. But uh, if you have any um, areas of immobility or you feel like you're tight in a certain area, or someone tells you that you're tight in that area, I think that uh, spending some time addressing it because. Uh, it's just going to probably lead to problems down the road, so for sure, that's huge. Plus, it just feels good to stretch. And the last one, I think, it's just uh, form. And I mentioned that a little bit earlier too. Is you know proper form. It, it's better to do something with uh, perfect form for lower sets than you know trying to get up there and trying to get that last one. Smarter, Granted, not harder. Yeah, exactly. I mean, I understand. You know, sometimes for sure. You know, maxing out or something, maybe your form's not going to be ideal. And there's instances where. You know, obviously that's going to be slightly different than it's supposed to if you're, you know, every day for sure. your reps and sets are. So, yep. I'd say those are the three big ones. My three, I'm still on the first one from Kelly Starrett, who I stole from Sun Tzu, who wrote Art of War. Uh, make your everyday stance your battle stance, and so with that, pay attention to your posture, and I think that came back to something that you mentioned, like making sure you're not in that anterior tilt by just using your glutes to turn it on, tilt back. Uh, making sure your legs are straight, you know, I've tried and stand like this as much as I can because it puts my shoulders into a place that I can't sit all rounded forward. It's all about the uh, It is. Uh, that Brett Contreras guy really uh, <laughs> knew what he was talking about. Blue guy. Yeah. Uh, the other one, uh, performing your own maintenance, kind of tying into what you said, like pain isn't supposed to be there. Like that's the, not the natural state of the human body. And so a lot of times it's just our compensations that have caused most of that problem. Uh, so you really should be able to work on that. Um, I've 
took this last one from a couple guys that I listened to is like always think the opposite of what's being put out in front of you and challenge it because a quick fix is usually false hope. You know, anything that says it's going to happen for you right away is probably going to give you just as short-term results as it's claiming how fast it's going to get you there. And then as a kind of speaking on the last one, get a stand-up desk. It's been great. My favorite, one of my favorite posts was when we found that calculator sitting in the standing and how many calories you can burn. We can go back into the calorie discussion, but it was like 100,000 plus over the course of a year. I could burn standing or sitting mm-hmm. and I, I figured that out that's like the equivalent of me running like 29 and a half marathons in a year so and obviously that's long. Yeah. obviously I mean, yeah I avoided a half the other way so <laughs> our next question most influential fitness purchase for under 100 bucks here we go I, I got on this one earlier yeah I yeah I mine would be the foam roller uh, because of a lot of these mobility and kind of recovery things that we've already talked about, improving range of motion, trying to reduce nagging pain that may be there. Uh, but along those same lines, make sure you're doing it right. So check out some of the stuff that we put out with mobility guides. Or yep. There's lots of great resources online, but if you're just laying around on it on the floor and you're feeling great while you're doing it and you do it for five minutes and then go on to the next thing, you're not really doing it right. You're not going to get the benefits from it. You should kind of be in mild discomfort while you're foam rolling. It's not going to feel great, but it'll really help. And the things that it's trying to improve take repetition um, and kind of pushing the limits a little bit to get those benefits from it. So that would be my purchase. You feel so much better after, too. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, maybe not great while you're doing it, but after you're done. Exactly. You should be able to see immediate improvements on oh, yeah. those things. Test and retest. Yeah. Absolutely. Improvements in range of motion. So yeah. That'd be mine. Mine is everything to make bulletproof coffee. We have talked about it a little bit, but that is the butter and MCT oil in your coffee. And it sounds weird, but it is awesome. That's all I drink for breakfast now. It's the only way I'll start my day if I can. Um, I didn't have it today, but hopefully I still seem sharp. But it's a lot of fat, but it tends to make me feel full, gets me to lunch, and then it also helps me just feel like I'm a little bit more focused, got my body running a little bit smoother in the morning, and um, allows me going to an intermittent fast. And so, yeah, gonna keep riding that train. I when I looked at this list, I was the third one to ask. Yeah, I would have probably said the same thing as AJ with the foam roller. Yeah, I mean, I, or any tool. I've got softball, sitting there. I mean, we've always got them in here. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So I was just talking to a patient last night about uh, how he's got one and absolutely loves it and lent it to his father-in-law. You know, it was like two weeks, and he's like, literally, man, I need this back here. I'm gonna go buy a new one. <laughs> like, nice. Nice. Um, and he was freaking out when his kids hit it and stuff. And so <laughs> I, I, I tell patients, like, if you don't like it, bring it back. And I haven't had someone bring one back yet. They nice. Love it. So. Nice. For sure. And then our last one, uh, what would you tell yourself in either your training or education if you could go back 10 years? Go, go for it. All right. So I, what I would tell myself is basically lay it out, set your priorities. You know, get your priorities, what's important to you. Based on those priorities, set your goals. So I have my priorities set, now I got my goals set, what I want to accomplish, and then set up a plan, how you're going to accomplish those goals, how you're going to tackle it, and then based on my schedule and family life and everything else going on, how am I going to incorporate this into my daily life or make a plan? I mean, it's it's good to have goals, but you have to figure out how you're going to get them, and uh, if it's not functional for you, if it doesn't work with your daily life, 
isn't going to happen, you know? So you have to make it a routine, basically. Sure. So, um, I think that's very important. And then along the way, I think it's good to just smell the roses and enjoy the ride. You know, it's, it's very easy to, you know, think about the next thing and what, you know, what could be and what could be. But I mean, once you get there, then what, you know, you gotta enjoy the ride, make it fun. Where were you at 10 years ago? 10 years ago. 2016. So I would have set the tone for uh, all that message. Uh, yeah, yeah, I would have been at uh, EWL. So okay, my fourth year EWL. So I was, I was starting to get stuff uh, straightened away. And we won't make you say how old you were then. Yeah, yeah. that's alright. None of us are that old. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> what about you? Uh, mine's gonna be training related, and for me, it would be don't ignore the recovery part of your training program. Yeah, and this is everything this is sleep this is nutrition this is active recovery uh, and things like that so you know a lot of people will work out religiously during the week and then on the weekends well party like crazy they'll eat like garbage they'll sleep six hours a night and then they expect they can pick it right back up on monday and be ready to go for a new week how did you know me so well in college? <laughs> yeah. and i mean this is from experience right so. right this is why I'm telling myself, hey, this is going to catch up with you later in life. Mondays are bad enough as it is. Yeah, yeah exactly. Wait until the real world. <laughs> and in terms of active recovery, I wish I would have known about the benefits of mobilization work back yeah. then. Because otherwise, if you ignore them and you keep ignoring them, you know, I sat, I went to school for a long time. So I sat in the desk for a long time. Right. I have a ton of low back, hip flexor issues that have now created movement restrictions that now, you know, I struggle with when I train, when I do squats, deadlifts. I have these movement and chronic nagging issues that I have to work around. I'm always bugging these guys, hey, this hurts, that hurts, what can I do? And a lot of it's because I ignored this stuff for so long, and now it's caught up with me, and I can't train the way I used to because I have to work on some of these other things first before I can uh, continue on. So that would be mine, is, is don't ignore that stuff because it'll eventually catch up to you and... And then you're going to be stuck facing those instead of whatever your training program wants. So you're 10 years ago, college? Which, which part of college? Yeah. Undergrad, so? Around undergrad. Undergrad, yeah. so? Okay. The beginning. The beginning, yeah. Uh, for me, 10 years ago, I uh, would have been right at the beginning of undergrad. Um, mine would be there's no quick fix. It's don't spend as much money on stupid supplements as you did. Wish I could have that to invest back in. Uh, bodybuilding magazines and all of those mean nothing to an athlete and they don't help at all. Still reading. <laughs> yeah, you got research going on about that. Um, eating more doesn't mean eating whatever you want. We touched on that a lot. Uh, going back beyond 10 years, like I wanted to get bigger in high school, so I would go and I would get like two chocolate milks and a donut. Is it good? Did you see it? I don't know. Probably not how I wanted to. Um, more on the other, the academic side of it, study sooner than later. I just feel like I lost out on a lot of time. Uh, things that I could be bringing in, didn't take advantage of opportunities as much as I could have to learn stuff from different people. And then kind of on, the last one was going back to one of my favorite podcasts I've shared with you. I should send it to you. Uh, this Dan Pena guy, and I won't use his exact quote, but basically just happened to do it. Like get started, get after it get it going and you never know what's going to end up happening and that's something that I'm really trying to focus on now is just making sure we're not just planning and thinking about it talking about great it's like let's just go do something so that's why we're doing podcasts there we go yeah get it going so with that that pretty much sums up the first episode um 
kind of in closing, please take a chance to go check out our Kickstarter campaign um, and check out our promotional video on what we're trying to get accomplished with this. Uh, we're trying to just build it, make a better product, get better recording. Uh, hopefully hook our camera guy up with something because he's been such a good friend to help us out. Um, we'll hopefully have an interview for our next episode. Uh, we're going to keep that a secret, mainly because we're not sure who that is yet, but that will be coming out uh, within the month. Uh, with that, if you wanted to find any more information on this, you can check out clinicallypress.com where we'll have links to all of the episodes as they get going and some other informational links. You can always check out totalathletictherapy.com, our daily blog that AJ and I run. Uh, that's free with just uh, new articles, tips, things like that. We just launched our website as of 13 hours ago, so that's out there and fancy now, but uh, we reference like mobility things. We've got a couple free mobility guides on it, some nutrition help, even some basic starter programs that you can just download for free. Um, and then obviously we can take things from there. Uh, if you ever need to look into chiropractic and you're in the Cooley region, check out Dr. Kyle and his uh, wife Erica's place, Cooley Health, CooleyHealth.com. Yeah. If you want to take a look at that, and we look forward to having you on future episodes. All right. Sounds good. We did it. All right. <clears throat> time. What was the time? 41. Yeah, you were right on that. Dead on. <clears throat> nice oh, good.